Chapter Twelve of the Fall of Troy by Smyrnanius Quintus, translated by Arthur S. Way, born thirteen February eighteen forty seven, died twenty five December nineteen thirty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When round the walls of Troy the Danian host had borne much travail, and yet the end was not, by Calchas then assembled were the chiefs. For his heart was instructed by the hest of Phoebus, By the flight of birds, the stars, and all the signs That speak to men the will of heaven. So he to that assembly cried, No longer toil in leaguer of yon walls. Some other counsel let your hearts devise, Some stratagem to help the host and us. For here but yesterday I saw a sign, A falcon chased a dove, and she, hard-pressed, Entered a cleft of the rock, and chafing he tarried long time hard by that rift, but she abode in convert. Nursing still his wrath, he hid him in a bush. Forth darted she, in folly deeming him afar. He swooped, and to the hapless dove dealt wretched death. Therefore by force assay we not to smite Troy, but let cunning stratagem avail. He spake, but no man's wit might find a way to escape their grievous travail as they sought to find a remedy. Till Laertes' son discerned it of his wisdom, and he spake. Friend, in high honour held of the heavenly ones, if doomed it be indeed that Priam's burg by guile must fall before the war-torn Greeks, a great horse let us fashion, in the which our mightiest shall take ambush. Let the host burn all their tents, and sail from hence away to Tenedos. So the Trojans from their towers gazing Shall stream forth, fearless to the plain. Let some brave man, unknown to any in Troy, With a stout heart abide without the horse, Crouching beneath its shadow, who shall say, Achaea's lords of might, exceeding fame, Safe to win home, made this their offering for safe return, An image to appease the wrath of Pallas, For her image stolen from Troy. And to this story he shall stand, How long soe'er they question him, Until, though never so relentless, They believe, and drag it, Their own doom, within the town. Then shall war's signal unto us be given, To them at sea by the sudden flash of torch, To the ambush, by the cry, Come forth the horse, When unsuspecting sleep the sons of Troy. He spake, and all men praised him, most of all extolled him Calchas, that such marvellous guile he put into Achaean hearts, to be for them assurance of triumph, but for Troy, ruin. And to those battle-lords he cried, Let your heart seek none other stratagem, friends, to war-strong Odysseus reed give ear. His wise thought shall not miss accomplishment, yea, our desire even now the gods fulfil. Hark, for new tokens come from the unseen. Lo, there on high crash through the firmament Zeus' thunder and lightning. See where birds to right dart past, and scream with long-resounding cry. Go to, no more in endless leaguer of Troy linger we. Hard necessity fills the foe with desperate courage that makes cowards brave. For then are men most dangerous, when they stake their lives in utter recklessness of death as battle now the aweless sons of Troy, all round their burg, 
mad with lust of fight. But cried Achilles' battle-eager son, Calchas, brave men meet face to face their foes, Who sulk behind their walls and fight from towers Are nitterings, hearts palsied with base fear. Hence with all thought of wile and stratagem, The great war-travail of spears beseems true heroes. Best in battle are the brave, but answer made him Laetes' seed. Bold-hearted child of aweless Aeacus' son, This as beseems a hero princely and brave, Dauntlessly trusting in thy strength thou sayest. Yet thine invincible sire's unquelling might availed Not to smite Priam's wealthy burg, Nor we for all our travail. Nay, with speed as counselleth Calchas, Go we to the ships, and fashion we the horse By Epeius' hands, who in the woodwright's craft is chiefest far of Argives, for Athena taught his lore. Then all their mightiest men gave ear to him, save twain, fierce-hearted Neoptolemus and Philoctetus, mighty-souled, for these were still insatiate for the bitter fray, still longed for turmoil of the fight. They bade their own folk bear up against that giant wall, what thing soe'er for wall's assault avail in hope to lay that stately fortress low, seeing heaven's decree had brought them both to war. Yea, they had haply accomplished all their will, but from the sky Zeus showed his wrath. He shook the earth beneath their feet, and all the air shuddered, as down before those heroes twain he hurled his thunderbolt. Wide echoes crashed through all Dardania. Unto fear straightway turned their bold hearts, and forgot their might, and Calchas' counsels grudgingly obeyed. So with the Argives came they to the ships, in reverence for the seer who spake from Zeus or Phoebus, and they obeyed him utterly. What time round splendor kindled heavens the stars from east to west far-flashing wheel, and when man doth forget his toil, in that still hour Athena left the high mansion of the blessed, clothed in her shape as a maiden tender-fleshed, and came to ships and host. Over the head of brave Apeius stood she in his dream, and bade him build a horse of tree. Herself would labor in his labor, and herself stand by his side to the work in kindling him. Hearing the goddess' word, with a glad laugh, he leapt from careless sleep, Right well he knew the immortal one, celestial. Now his heart could hold no thought beside, his mind was fixed upon the wondrous work, and through his soul marched marshalled each device of craftsmanship. When rose the dawn, and thrust back kindly night to Erebus, and through the firmament streamed glad glory, then Apeius told his dream to eager Argives. All he saw and heard, and hearkening, joyed they with exceeding joy. Straightway to tall-tressed Ida's leafy glades the sons of Atreus sent swift messengers. These laid the axe unto the forest pines, and hewed the great trees. To their smiting rang the echoing glens. On those far-stretching hills, all bare of undergrowth, the high peaks rose. Open their glades were, not as in time past, Haunted a beast, there dry tree trunks rose, wooing the winds. 
Even these the Achaeans hewed with axes, and in haste they bear them down from those shagged mountain heights to Hellespont's shores. Strained with a strenuous spirit at the work young men and mules, and all the people toiled each at his task, obeying a Peleus' hest. For with the keen steel some were hewing beams, some measuring planks, and some with axes lopped branches away from tusk as yet unsawn. Each wrought his several work. Epeus first fashioned the feet of that great horse of wood. The belly next he shaped, and over this molded the back and the great loins behind, the throat in front, and rigged the towering neck with waving mane. The crested head he wrought, the streaming tail, the ears, the lucent eyes, all that of lifelike horses have, so grew like a live thing that more than human work, for a god gave to a man that wondrous craft. And in three days, by palace decree, finished was all. Rejoice thereat the host of Argos, marvelling how the wood expressed metal and speed of foot, yea, seemed to neigh. Godlike Apeus then uplifted hands to Pallas, and for that huge horse he prayed, Hear, great-souled goddess, bless thine horse and me. He spake. Athena rich in counsel heard, and made his work a marvel to all men which saw or heard its fame in days to be. But while the Danians or Apeius work joyed, and their routed foes within the walls tarried, and shrank from death and pitiless doom, then, when imperious Zeus far from the gods had gone to ocean's stream and Tethys' caves, strife rose between the immortals, heart with heart was set at variance. Riding on the blast of winds, from heaven to earth they swooped. The air crashed round them. Lightning down by Xanthus' stream arrayed they stood against each other. These were the Achaeans, for the Trojans those, and all their souls were thrilled with lust of war. There gathered too the lords of the wide sea. These in their wrath were eager to destroy the horse of guile and all the ships, and those fair Ilium. But all contriving fate held them therefrom, and turned their hearts to strife against each other. Ares to the fray rose first, and on Athena rushed. Thereat fell each on other. Clashed round their limbs the golden-armed celestial as they charged. Round them the wide sea thundered, the dark earth quaked neath immortal feet, rang from them all far-peeling battle-shouts. That awful cry rolled up to the broad heaven, and down even to Hades' fathomless abyss. Trembled the titans there in the depths of gloom. Ida's long ridges sighed, sobbed clamorous streams of ever-flowing rivers, groaned ravines far-furrowed, argive ships and Priam's towers. Men feared not, for naught they knew of all that strife, by heaven's decree. Then her high peaks the gods' hands wrenched from Ida's crest, and hurled against each other. But like crumbling sand shivered they fell round those invincible limbs, shattered to small dust. But the mind of Zeus at the utmost verge of earth was where of all. Straight left he ocean stream, and to wide heaven ascended, Charioted upon the winds, the east, the north, the west wind, and the south, 
for iris rainbow plumed led neath the yoke of his eternal car that stormy team the car which time the immortal framed for him of adamant with never wearying hands so came he to olympus giant ridge his wrath shook all the firmament as crashed from east to west his thunders lightnings gleamed thick and fast his thunderbolts poured to earth and flamed the limitless welkin terror fell upon the hearts of those immortals quake the limbs of all ay deathless though they were then themis trembling for them swift as thought leapt down through clouds and came with speed to them for in the strife she only had no part and stood between the fighters and she cried forbear the conflict oh when zeus is wroth it ill beseems that everlasting gods should fight for men's sake creatures of a day else shall ye be all suddenly destroyed for zeus will tear up all the hills and hurl upon you sons nor daughters will he spare but bury neath one ruin of shattered earth all no escape shall ye find thence to light in horror of darkness prisoned evermore dreading zeus menace they gave heed to her from strife refrained and cast away their wrath and were made one in peace and amity some heavenward soared some plunged into the sea on earth stayed some amid the achaean host spake in his subtlety laertes son o valorous hearted lords of the argive host now prove in time of need what men ye be how passing strong how flawless brave the hour is this for desperate enterprise now with hearts heroic enter ye in yon carven horse so to attain the goal of this stern war for better it is by stratagem and craft to destroy this city for whose sake hither we came and still are suffering many afflictions far from our own land come then and let your hearts be stout and strong for he who in stress of fight hath turned to bay and snatched a desperate courage from despair oft though the weaker slays a mightier foe for courage which is all men's glory makes the heart great come then set the ambush ye which be our mightiest and the rest shall go to tenedos hallowed burg and there abide until our foes have held within their walls us with the horse as deeming that they bring a gift unto tritonus some brave man one whom the trojans know not yet we lack to harden his heart as steel and to abide near the horse let that man bear in mind heedfully whatsoe'er i said erewhile and let none other thought be in his heart lest to our foe our counsel be revealed then when all others feared a man far-famed made answer sinon marked of destiny to bring the great work to accomplishment therefore with worship all men looked on him the loyal of heart as in their midst he spake odysseus and all ye achaean chiefs this work for which ye crave will i perform yea though they torture me though into fire living they thrust me for mine heart is fixed not to escape but die by hands of foes except i crown with glory or desire stoutly he spake 
right glad the Argives were, and one said, How the gods have given to-day high courage to this man! He hath not been heretofore valiant. Heaven is kindling him to be the Trojans' ruin, but to us salvation! Now full soon, I trow, we reach the goal of grievous war, so long unseen. So a voice murmured mid the Achaean host. Then, to stir up the heroes, Nestor cried, now is the time, dear sons, for courage and strength. Now do the gods bring nigh the end of toil. Now give they victory to our longing hands. Come, bravely enter ye this cavernous horse, for high renown attendeth courage high. Oh, that my limbs were mighty as of old, when Aeson's sons for heroes call to man-swift Argo. When of the heroes foremost I would gladly have entered her, But Peleus the king withheld me in mine own despite. Ah me, but now the burden of years. Oh nay, as I were young, into the horse will I fearlessly. Glory and strength shall courage give. Answered him golden-haired Achilles' son, Nestor, in wisdom thou art chief of men, but cruel age hath caught thee in his grip. No more thy strength may match thy gallant will. Therefore thou needs must unto Tenedos strand. We will take ambush, we the youths, of strife insatiate still, as thou, old sire, dost bid. Then strode the son of Neleus to his side, and kissed his hands, and kiss the head of him who offered thus himself the first of all to enter that huge horse, being peril fain, and bade the elder of days abide without. Then to the battle-eager spake the old, Thy father's son art thou, Achilles' might and chivalrous speech be here. O oh, sure am I that by thine hands the Argive shall destroy the stately city of Priam. At the last, after long travail, Glory shall be ours, after toil and tribulation of war. The gods have laid tribulation at men's feet, but happiness far off, and toil between. Therefore for men full easy is the path to ruin, and the path to fame is hard, where feet must press right on through painful toil. He spake, replied Achilles' glorious son, Old sire, as thine heart trusteth, be it vouchsafed in answer to our prayers, for best were this. But if the gods will otherwise, be it so. I, gladlier will I fall in glory of fight than flee from Troy, bowed neath load of shame. Then in his sire's celestial arms he arrayed his shoulders, and with speed in harness sheath stood the most mighty heroes, in whose hearts was dauntless spirit. Tell, ye queens of song, now man by man the names of all that passed into the cavernous horse. For ye inspired my soul with all my song, ere long my cheek grew dark with manhood's beard, what time I fed my goodly sheep on Smyrna's pasture lee. From Hermes thrice so far as one may hear a man shout, by the fane of Artemis, in the deliverer's grove upon a hill neither exceeding low nor passing high. Into that cavernous horse Achilles' son first entered. Strong Menelaus followed then. Odysseus, 
Stempelus, godlike Diomede, Philoctetus, and Menestheus, Anticlius, Thoas, and Polypoetas, golden haired, Aeas, Eurypolis, godlike Thrasymede, Idomeneus, Meriones, far famous twain, Taldalerius of spears, Eurymachus, Tursa the godlike, fierce Iomenus, Thalpius, Antimachus, Leontius staunch, Eumelus, and Euryalus, fair as a god, Amphimachus, Demophoon, Agapenor, Acamas, Megas, stalwart Phylus' son, yea, more, even all their chiefest entered in, so many as that carven horse could hold. Godlike Apeius last of all passed in, the fashioner of the horse, in his breast lay the secret of the opening of its doors and of their closing therefore last of all he entered and he drew the ladders up whereby they clomb then he made all secure and set himself beside the bolt so all in silence sat twixt victory and death but the rest fired the tents wherein erewhile they slept and sail the wide sea in their ships two mighty-hearted captains ordered these nestor and agamemnon lord of spears fain had they also entered that great horse but all the host withheld them bidding stay with them a shipboard ordering their array for men far better work the works of war when their kings oversee them therefore these abode without albeit mighty men so came they swiftly unto Tenedos' shore, and dropped the anchor-stones, then leapt in haste forth of the ships, and silent waited there, keen-watching, till the signal-torch should flash. But nigh the foe were they in the horse, and now looked they for death, and now to smite the town, and on their hopes and fears uprose the dawn. Then marked the Trojans upon Hellespont's strand the smoke upleaping yet through air. No more they saw the ships which brought to them from Greece destruction dire. With joy to the shore they ran, but armed them first, for fear still haunted them. Then marked they that fair carven horse, and stood marvelling round, for a mighty work was there. A hapless seeming man thereby they spied. Sinon, and this one, that one, questioned him touching the Danians, as in a great ring they compassed him, and with unangry words first questioned, then with terrible threatenings, then tortured they that man of guileful soul, long time unceasing, firm as a rock abode the unquivering limbs, the unconquerable will, his ears, his nose at last they shore away, in every wise tormenting him, until he should declare the truth whither were gone the danians in their ships what thing the horse concealed within he had armed his mind with resolution and of outrage foul wrecked not his soul endured their cruel stripes yea and the bitter torment of the fire for strong endurance into him hera breathed and still he told them the same guileful tale the argives in their ships flee over sea Weary of tribulation of endless war, This horse by Calchas' counsel fashioned they for wise Athena To propitiate her stern wrath for that guardian image stolen from Troy. 
and by Odysseus prompting, I was marked for slaughter, to be sacrificed to the sea powers beside the moaning waves to win them safe return. But their intent I marked, and ere they spilt the drops of wine and sprinkled hallowed meal upon mine head, swiftly I fled, and by the help of heaven I flung me down, clasping the horse's feet, and they, sore loath, perforce must leave me there, dreading great Zeus's daughter, mighty-souled. In subtlety, so he spake, his soul untamed by pain, for a brave man's part is to endure to the uttermost. And of the Trojans some believed him, others for a wily knave held him, of whose mind was Laocoon. Wisely he spake, a deadly fraud is this, he said, devised by the Achaean chiefs. Yea, and they had obeyed him, and had scaped destruction. But Athena, fiercely wroth with him, the Trojans, and their city, shook earth's deep foundations neath Laocoon's feet. Straight terror fell on him, and trembling bowed the knees of the presumptuous. Round his head, horror of darkness poured. A sharp pang thrilled his eyelids, swam his eyes beneath his brows, his eyeballs, stabbed with bitter anguish, throbbed even from the roots, and rolled in frenzy of pain. Clear through his brain the bitter torment pierced, even to the filmy inner veil thereof. Now bloodshot were his eyes, now ghastly green. Anon with ruin they ran, as pours a stream down from a rugged crag, with thawing snow made turbid, as a man distraught he seemed. All things he saw showed double, and he groaned fearfully. Yet he ceased not to exhort the men of Troy, and recked not of his pain. Then did the goddess strike him utterly blind, stared his fixed eyeballs white from pits of blood, and all folk groaned for pity for their friend, and dread of the prey-giver, lest he had sinned in folly against her, and his mind was thus warped to destruction. Yea, lest on themselves like judgment should be visited, to avenge the outrage done to hapless Sinon's flesh, whereby they hoped to wring the truth from him. So led they him in friendly wise to Troy, pitying him at the last. Then gathered all, and o'er that huge horse hastily cast a rope, and made it fast above, for under its feet smooth wooden rollers had Apeius laid, that, dragged by Trojan hands, it might glide into their fortress. One and all they held with multitudinous tug and strain, as when down to the sea young men sore labouring drag a ship, hard crushed the stubborn rollers groan, as sliding with weird shrieks the keel descends into the sea surge, so that host with toil dragged up to their city their own doom, a piteous work. With great festoons of flowers they hung it, and their own heads did they wreath, while answering each other pealed the flutes. Grimly Eno laughed, seeing the end of that dire war. Hera rejoiced on high, clad was Athena. When the Trojans came unto their city, break they down the walls, their city's coronal, that the horse of death might be led in. Troy's daughters greeted it with shouts of salutation, marveling all gazed at the mighty work where lurked their doom. 
But still Laocoon ceased not to exhort his countrymen to burn the horse with fire. They would not hear, for dread of the gods' wrath. But then a yet more hideous punishment Athena visited on his hapless sons. A cave there was beneath a rugged cliff exceeding high, unscalable, wherein dwelt fearful monsters of the deadly brood of Typhon, in the rock clefts of the isle of Calydna, that looks Troyward from the sea. Thence stirred she up the strength of serpents twain, and summoned them to Troy. By her uproused, they shook the island as with an earthquake. Roared the sea, the waves disparted as they came. Onward they swept with fearful flicking tongues, shuddered the very monsters of the deep. Xanthus and Samoa's daughters moaned aloud the river nymphs. The Cyperian queen looked down in anguish from Olympus. Swiftly they came, whither the goddess sped them, with grim jaws wetting their deadly fangs. On his hapless sons sprang they. All Trojans panic-stricken fled, seeing those fearsome dragons in their town. No man, though ne'er so dauntless theretofore, tarried. Ghastly dread laid hold on all, shrinking in horror from the monsters. Screamed the women, yea, the mother forgot her child, fear frenzied as she fled. All Troy became one shriek of flares. The streets were choked with cowering fugitives. Alone was left Laocoon with his sons, for death's doom and the goddess chained their feet. Then, even as from destruction shrank the lads, those deadly fangs had seized and ravened up the twain, outstretching to their sightless sire agonized hands. No power to help had he. Trojans far off looked on from every side, weeping, all dazed, and, having fulfilled upon the Trojans' palace awful hest, those monsters vanished neath the earth, and still stands their memorial, where into the fane they entered of Apollo in Pergamus the hallowed. There before the sons of Troy gathered, and reared a cenotaph for those who miserably had perished. Over it their father from his blind eyes rained the tears. Over the empty tomb their mother shrieked, boding the while yet worse things, wailing o'er the ruin wrought by folly of her lord, treading the anger of the blessed ones. As when round her void nest in a brake, in sorest anguish moans the nightingale, whose fledglings, ere they learned her plaintive song, a hideous serpent's fangs have done to death and left the mother anguish, endless woe, and bootless crying round her desolate home. So groaned she for her children's wretched death, so moaned she o'er the void tomb, and her pangs were sharpened by her lord's plight, stricken blind. While she for children and for husband moaned, these slain, he of the sun's light portionless, the Trojans to the immortals sacrificed, pouring wine. Their hearts beat high with hope to escape the weary stress of woeful war. Howbeit the victims burned not, and the flames died out, as though neath heavy hissing rain, and writhed the smoke-rings, blood-red, and the thighs quivering from crumbling altars fell to earth. Drink-offerings turned to blood. God's statues wept, and the temple walls dripped gore. Along them rolled echoes of groaning out of depths unseen, 
and all the long walls shuddered. From the towers came quick, sharp sounds like cries of men in pain, and, weirdly shrieking, of themselves slid back the gate-bolts. Screaming desolation wailed the birds of night. Above that god-built berg a mist palled every star, and yet no cloud was in the flashing heavens. By Phoebus feigned whither the bays that erst were lush and green. Wolves and foul-feeding jackals came, and howled within the gates. I other signs untold appeared, portending woe to Dardanus' sons and Troy. Yet no fear touched the Trojans' hearts, who saw all through the town those portents dire. Fate crazed them all, that midst their reveling, slain by their foes, they might fill up their doom. One heart was steadfast, one soul clear-eyed, Cassandra. Never her words were unfulfilled, yet was their utter truth, by fate's decree, ever as idle wind in the hearer's ears, that no bar to Troy's ruin might be set. She saw those evil portents all through Troy, conspiring to one end. Loud rang her cry, as roars a lioness that mid the brakes a hunter has stabbed or shot, Whereat her heart maddens, and down the long hills rolls her roar, and her might waxes tenfold. So with heart aflame with prophecy came she forth her bower. Over her snowy shoulders tossed her hair, streaming far down, and wildly blazed her eyes. Her neck writhed, like a sapling in the wind shaken, as moaned and shrieked that noble maid. O oh, wretches! Into the land of darkness now we are passing, For round us full of fire and blood And dismal moan the city is. Everywhere portents of calamity God show, Destruction yawns before your feet. Fools, ye know not your doom, Still ye rejoice with one consent in madness, Who to Troy have brought the Argive horse, Where ruin lurks. Oh, ye believe me not, Though ne'er so loud I cry, The Arrhenius and ruthless fates, For Helen's spousals madly wroth, Through Troy dart on wild wings, And ye, ye are banqueting there In your last feast, On meats befelled with gore, When now your feet are on the paths of ghost. Then cried a scoffing voice an ominous word, why doth a raving tongue of evil speech, daughter of Priam, make thy lips to cry words empty as wind? No maiden modesty with purity fails thee. Thou art compassed round with ruinous madness. Therefore all men scorn thee. Babbler, hence thy evil boding speak to the Argives and thyself. For thee doth wait anguish and shame, yet bitterer than befell presumptuous Laocoon. Shame it were in folly to destroy the immortal's gift. So scoffed a Trojan. Others in like sort cried shame on her, and said she spake but lies, saying that ruin and fate's heavy stroke were hard at hand. They knew not their own doom, and mocked, and thrust her back from that huge horse, for fain was she to smite its beams apart, or burn with ravening fire. She snatched a brand of blazing pinewood from the hearth, and ran in fury. In the other hand she bare a two-edged halberd, and on that horse of doom she rushed to cause the Trojans to behold with their own eyes 
the ambush hidden there. But straightway from her hands they plucked and flung afar the fire and steel, and careless turned to the feast, for darkened o'er them their last night. Within the horse the Argives joyed to hear the uproar of Troy's feasters, setting at naught Cassandra. But they marveled that she knew so well the Achaeans' purpose and device. As mid the hills a furious pantheris, which from the steading hounds and shepherd-folk drive with fierce rush, with savage heart turns back even in departing, galled albeit by darts, so from the great horse fled she, anguish-racked for Troy, for all the ruin she foreknew. End of chapter 12